Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you have been with us, you know so far chapters 1 through 8, Paul has established for us doctrine. Doctrine such as justification by faith. Doctrine as it relates to our salvation. Doctrine as it relates to election. All of these things we've talked about in chapters 1 through 8. And then in chapters 9, 10, and 11, we talked about Israel and the promises of God. Are you listening? The promises of God to Israel directly affect and relate to God's promise to us as believers. And then in chapter 12, which brought us to chapter 12, we were exhorted to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, the Bible says, which is our what, saints? Reasonable service. We talked about all of these things. And now that we understand doctrine, and we understand what we're to do, we talked about last week that we're not to become high-minded, we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but we're to think of ourselves, how, saints? Soberly. And that means to have a right estimation of yourself. And then we talked about last week, where you're with us, that God has given gifts to the body because we now understand we've got this right estimation. Do you notice how Paul is kind of leading us to growth? Look, you've got to build your Christian life on sound doctrine. Good morning, two people say amen. amen. You've got to build your life on sound doctrine, not the weird stuff. You know, some people are like, well, doctrine, we don't need doctrine. Can't we all just get along? Well, not exactly. We need to build on sound doctrine. So Paul lays down that doctrine. Then he tells us what we're to think and how we're to present our bodies to God. And then he starts to tell us how we're to think about ourselves. We're to be sober and have a right estimation. And then from that, now we can talk about the gifts of the spirit. And last week we talked about the gifts that were given to the body. Now, you want to notice right after talking about the gifts that had been given to the body in Romans chapter 12... Paul starts talking about some principles here in Romans 12, beginning right about verse 9. Paul gives us some principles. I like to call them principles of love. Listen, saints, this next section is very practical and it's very pointed in the book of Romans, probably the most practical section, chapter in the book of Romans is filled what we're going to do today. What we're going to talk about, it's filled 
with a series of kind of snap, if you will, exhortations. And the thing that's interesting to me that occurred to me as I was preparing, as you'll get the feeling when we read it, is that Paul is very familiar with the teachings of Jesus, especially the Sermon on the Mount. Here in verses 9 through 21, Paul gives us a description of what love looks like. If you've got a pen, you got a pad, take some notes right here. I'm going to give you a three-point outline we're going to talk about today of what love looks like. Number one, saints, listen. What love looks like we'll talk about in the church. And we're going to find that in verses 9 through 13. What love looks like in the church. And then the second point we're going to talk about is what love looks like in the world in general. What love looks like in the world in general. We'll find that in verses 14 through 16. And then finally, what love looks like in the midst of conflict. Verses 17 through 21. What love looks like in the church, what it looks like in general in the world, and what love looks like in the midst of conflict. Now, in verses 9 through 13, we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you seven points of true love, and then I'm going to weave them into our sermon so you'll hear them again. We're going to talk about true love in verses 9 through 13. True love, first of all, in verse 9, is sincere. We'll find that. True love, in verse 9, is sincere. Isn't that true? True love is sincere. Isn't that true? True love is sincere. Isn't that true? Thank you. Not only that, but true love, listen, hates sin, but loves the sinner. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Somebody over here ain't saying it. Isn't that true? And then thirdly, I'll see that. True love is a committed love. We'll find that in verse 10. And then fourthly, true love regards others above ourselves. Again, you'll see these. Again, in our teaching, but give them to you up front. True love regards others above ourselves in verse 10 again. And then number five, true love is energetic and enthusiastic. You find that in verse 11. And then number six, true love rejoices in hope. You find that in verse 12. And then finally, true love responds to people's needs. Seven points of true love we'll talk about. My sermon title The principles of love in the interest of time. We'll read verses 9 through 21. You got the outline. You'll know where I'm going. You'll know where I am. Romans chapter 12. We pick up in verse 9. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with phileo, brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, and not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, 
continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality and bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't do it. Don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with humble folks. And don't be wise in your own opinion. Doesn't that sound a whole lot like we ought not think highly of ourselves? Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And I'm so glad God said if it's possible. Somebody yell at me and say amen. amen. <laughs> Some folks, you just can't get along with them. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> Beloved, in verse 19, do not do what, saints? Avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, let's get practical, people. If your enemy is hungry, then feed him. And if he's thirsty, then give him some water. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what, saints? Good. Number one in our outline, what love looks like in the church. Let me draw your attention. Go with me again to verse one, if you will. Notice Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy. Now, saints, listen, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, give me your attention. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know that in the Greek language, there are four words for love. There's storge, which is family love. You have phileo, which is like brotherly friendship love. You have eros, which is sexual, lustful love. And then you have, the, finally, the Greek word agape. The Greeks have four words for love where we have one word for love. The Greeks have a bigger language. There are basically 60,000 basic words in the Greek language. That's why they have four words for love and we have one. In the English language, we have approximately 10,000 words basic in our language, but they have 60,000. So we use the word love. We only have this one word love. And we say, I love, we use that one word for everything. I love my wife or I love cheesecake. (laughs) Now, obviously I love my wife more than I love cheesecake. Just a little, (laughs) but okay, fine. But we have that one word for love where they have many words for love. Listen, Paul, I bring this to your attention because so far in the book of Romans, if you've been with us, Paul used the word agape all the way through up until now. Verse 9, Paul uses the word agape and it applies to God. And now he says Christians are to have agape love for Christians. After we know the will of God and the plan of God, now we are to love like God. And to love like God means we are to have 
Point number one, a true, sincere love, a love without hypocrisy. How often have we heard people say the church is full of hypocrites? Have you ever heard that? Wave at me if you have. I hate it when people say that. Because one is under the assumption that they are not hypocrites. I'm like, look, well, if the church is full of hypocrites, then come on and join us. Somebody say amen. Amen. As if you're not. Or people say, well, you know, I, you know, they don't practice what they preach. Or if that's what Christianity is about, I want nothing to do with it. We've all heard these kinds of comments. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes they're true. There are hypocrites in the church. But the Bible says our love should be without hypocrisy. That word hypocrisy means a mask wearer. Because in the Greek theater, they used to put on a mask to change, you know, the, the, the appearance of their emotion in the Greek theater on the stage. It's a theatrical term. Hypocrite. Hypocrisy. Hypocrito. That's the Greek word. So they wanted to give the appearance of being sad. They'd put a sad face in front of their face, mask. They didn't want to give the appearance of being happy. They would put a happy mask in front of their face. So the word hypocrite literally means to be a mask wearer. The Bible says that we should not be mask wearers, not fake. Man, we all know people who are fake. Unfortunately, there's a lot of fake folk in the church. Isn't that sad? They come up to you, oh, praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I love you. Ain't no Darwell inside. They're thinking, I could just choke you. <laughs> mask wearer. Don't be a hypocrite. Love, true love should be sincere, point number one. And we're going to kind of jet through, if you will. Point number two, true love hates sin but loves the sinner. In verse nine, would you look at it again? This word abhor, listen, is a strong word. As a matter of fact, this word abhor evil, that word abhor is actually a stronger word in the Greek language than the word hate. It's stronger. Listen, for love, listen, for love to be pure, it has to be more like God's love. And to do that, you have to hate what God hates, which is evil. And you have to love what God loves, which is good. And isn't it interesting here in our text, it's very interesting that in this commandment to love, there's also the commandment to hate. Did you get that? Within the commandment to love, there's a commandment to hate. If you're going to love without hypocrisy, then you're going to have to abhor, hate what is evil. Do you realize that the Christian is supposed to hate? People say, oh, well, you Christians, you guys are all loving. I mean, you're supposed to be loving and like Jesus. And you're never to hate anything. Listen, the Christian, that's not true. The Bible tells us that we are to hate. The Bible says that we are to hate evil. Do you understand? Say amen if you understand. We're to hate evil. Let me share something else with you, which is a misnomer. Hate is an attribute of God. Now, what are you talking about, Willis? (laughs) Hate is an attribute of God. You see, yes, the Bible teaches us God is love. 
But also an attribute of God is that God hates. God, the Bible is very clear, he hates hypocrisy. God hates divorce. God hates religious people. God hates ritual over relationship. Did you hear me? God hates ritual over relationship. Don't you understand that when you just come to church because church is church and this is what you do on Sunday morning. I'm sorry, lights are not here, but okay, fine. And you just come to church because, you know, church is church and it's what we do on Sunday morning. And you just go into church to knock it down because that's what you do. That's ritual. And you have no heart relationship. God hates that. God hates hypocrisy. God is a God. In order for God to be a God of pure and total love, God must also hate. He hates sin. Are you hearing me? And in that kind of jolting, what? wait a minute. God hates something? Absolutely. God hates people who sow discord among the church people. There's many things that God hates. And I think oftentimes we Christians, we go to the extreme. You know, we, we either hate the sinner in their hate of sin or we end up condoning sin because we don't want to reject the sinner. You know, people today are asking for tolerance. Listen, they're not asking for tolerance. People are asking for endorsement. Somebody say amen. It's all right. It's true. Well, we all need to be tolerant. Listen, we are never to be tolerant of sin. We're never to endorse it. We're never to be tolerant of these things. True love, listen, hates sin, but loves the sinner. We are to hate, abhor evil. And notice in your Bibles in verse one, verse nine again. Notice in verse nine, it says to abhor evil, but do what? Cling to what is good. This word cling literally means to hold firmly using cement. We are to hate evil and be glued to the things of the Lord. Point number three, true love is a committed love. Would you go ahead and look at verse 10 again? Be kindly affectionate one to another. You see that? What Paul is saying is that we are to have family love. We are family. Did you know? Sister Sledge didn't come up with that. That wasn't Sister Sledge. They stole it from God. We are family. You know I'm tempted. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's leaking out, man. It's coming out. I can't even contain it. We're family. We're going to be together forever. In the Greek language, listen, this word forever means forever. That was deep, Pastor. That was. Hold on, there's more. There's more where that came from. We're going to be together forever. We are family. 
We're, we're committed. We're committed to one another. And yeah, sometimes family can be difficult. You got family members in your family that are difficult. Ooh, y'all were really <laughs> Y'all like, preach, pastor! Preach, preach, preach! You know, uh, let me see. Chuck Swindoll, I think he said, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. <laughs> Isn't that true? Sometimes it's hard to be family, but we are family, saints, and you're stuck with me. And I'm stuck with you. Pray for me. We're family. True love, number four, regards others above ourselves. Again, in verse 10, in honor giving preference. You're looking at it? In honor giving preference to one another. In other words, put others first. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing. This is what it sounds like. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. You see, true brotherly love seeks to build up one another. And then point number five, true love is energetic and enthusiastic. Go ahead and look at verse 10 again in your Bibles, not lagging in diligence. Whatever, listen, God has put your hand to do, do it as unto the Lord. Christian, business person, listen. If you got a business card with the Christian fish on it, please conduct your business as a Christian. Do what you're supposed to do. Do right by folks. Do the right thing. You got a Christian, you got a van. I was going to say a Christian van. A van with Christian stuff on it. All tattoos on the back. I love Jesus. And you're cutting folk off on the 440. <laughs> and somebody cuts you off and you flag them down. And let's just say you wave at them. <laughs> Don't do it. That's a bad witness. I was talking to one sister in a bank, and perhaps you are in banking, and you'll know this is true. She told me that they get checks all the time from churches that bounce checks. Have you? I asked her, I said, you getting any from our church? <laughs> she said, no. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. We keeping up with it. We keeping up with that thing, you know. That's horrible. That's a bad witness. I'm sorry. That's just a bad witness. We need to not lag in diligence. Be diligent. True love is energetic. True love is enthusiastic. Not lagging in diligence, but notice in your Bible it says what? Be fervent in spirit. That word fervent literally means to be boiling hot. I love that. Or in the enthusiastic kind of love. Jesus wants our love for him and each other to be fervent, boiling hot as we serve the Lord. Point number six, true love rejoices in hope. In verse 12, go ahead and peek at it if you will. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know that hope is the absolute expectation of something good. True love rejoices in hope. Patient in tribulation. You're looking at it? Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. 
You know, I like the rejoice and hope part better than I like the patient and tribulation. I really do. This word patient literally means to bear up under. And we're to continue steadfastly in prayer. Man, we had a great prayer meeting yesterday. If you weren't there, you missed it. It was awesome. It was a blessing to pray. And then point number seven, true love responds to people's needs in verse 13. Finally, true love responds to people's needs. I like that. Distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality. I love that about this church. You would not know because you would not know. But I know when people need something here, God provides it through other people. There's an unbelievable amount for this church. You know, here's what I want to tell you for this church to be a good sized fellowship. Now, it's still very warm and very loving. And I always pray, Lord, I don't want to have or be a part of a church that's just so big. It's cold and it's sterile. Given the hospitality. I'm in my office and many of you know where my office is located This morning, it just blew me away. This one sister, she's standing at the door, and I could hear her as she's greeting people coming in. And she's greeting people, and she's just so pleasant and friendly. And I could hear her saying, welcome, good morning, praise the Lord, God bless you, giving them a bulletin. Welcome, praise the Lord, good morning, God bless you. Welcome, praise the Lord, good morning, God bless you. After a while, I thought, that's a little over the top. Oh, you know what's nice? She was pleasant. You know, we should be warm. We, church should be a place you feel welcome. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.